God's up to something, folks. Really, and, and the world is unstable right now. Like many of you, I'm concerned about the Russia-Ukraine situation. And I've been praying a lot about that. I've been praying. I know you've been praying. We have, we have prayed uh, together. And so, as I have thought about that, I've been praying about it. And those precious people there in Ukraine and what's going on. In fact, I just think it would be appropriate if we just prayed right now. I, we've entered the throne room of grace. We had, he said, uh, we would enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise and worship. We've done that. Let's ask our God for mercy and grace. Father, would you bless that situation? Lord, would you send angels from heaven? Would you flex a little bit of your divine power? Uh, Lord, we ask for a touch from heaven above. We pray, Father, that you would be merciful and that lives would be saved. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So I've been praying about that situation in the Ukraine. And then I've been thinking about this. What if this is the beginning of World War III? I've been praying about that. What if this is the beginning of what could turn out to be a great nuclear uh, devastation on planet Earth? That's in the cards. And I, I've been praying and I mean really getting before the Lord. And part of my prayer has been this. It's a question. Lord, what about me? What do you want me to do? What's my responsibility? What's our responsibility as a church? And the Lord answered me in a very profound way. He gave me a one-word answer, but I knew it was from heaven above. So what should I do? What should you do? What should we do? Here it is. Now, I know some of you think, because I've been preaching on prayer for a long time now, that I'm going to say prayer, but I'm not. What should we do, Lord? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly. One word. This is what God wants me to do. This is what God wants you to do. This is what God wants every child of God on the planet to do. Believe. Believe. Just believe. Real belief. Now, I will tell you, I know this and you know this. That great and mighty and wonderful things flow out of a life that believes. People who believe pray. People who believe give. People who believe go when they're sent. People who, who believe do what God tells them to do. But it's believing. Belief. That, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. And it lines up with scripture. And anytime I feel like I've received a, a word from the Lord, I go to the Bible. You remember that passage in the Gospels where they came to Jesus and they asked him? They said, what are the works of God that we might do them? What a great question. That was just beautiful. 
Lord, what do you want us to do? What are the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. It's, it's about believing. And I want you to know today, friends, we can fool ourselves if we want to, but fear and faith cannot long live in the same heart. They will fight against one another and one will win and one will dominate. And I can tell you that if we as a church, if we as the people of God, if we give way to fear, then the enemy has won. He's already won. I don't want the enemy to win in Ukraine. And I don't want the enemy to win in my heart. And I don't want the enemy to win in your heart or in this church. So, so what we have to do is, is we have to believe. We have to believe. And, and by the way, one of my favorite statements that God makes when he talks to the prophet Isaiah is he says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, friends, our God is not weak. Our God is watching. He knows what's going on. And for those who believe, he holds them in his righteous right hand. And so I want to share a passage of scripture with you. And talk to you about it. And, and, and I've just put a heading over this. Just believe. That's where it all starts. Here it is. We will begin. Let's see. Mark 16 verses 9 through 18. Mark 16 verses 9 through 18. Here's what it says. It says, now when he rose early on the first day of the week. He appeared. Now this is about Easter. This is about Jesus coming out of the grave. Alive. Victorious. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. I don't know what you've been through in your life, but you won't want to complain to Mary when you get to heaven. <laughs> seven demons. And Jesus appeared to somebody that had seven demons, but he had cast them out says, now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Can you imagine the contrast between Mary and those disciples? She had just seen Jesus. Oh, she was more excited than Tammy. <laughs> she was excited. They were mourning and weeping. And verse 11, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Now, by the way, she wasn't a stranger. She was part of the ministry team. She went where they went. She traveled all over the land with them. She was a part of the team. She was one of their own, but when one of their very own said, I've seen Jesus, and he's alive. They didn't believe. Verse 12. 
After that, he appeared in another form to two of them. Now, this is still in their group. Two of them, as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Three eyewitnesses, three close companions, fellow ministers, said they had seen him and he was alive, but they refused to believe. There's some serious unbelief going on here. These men who had walked with him for three years struggled with believing. If you're struggling a little bit with believing, you're in good company. Because these disciples had a hard time with it. Boy, they had a hard time with it. So don't lose hope and don't lose faith. Verse 14, later he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I was thinking about this this morning. I wonder if our blessed Lord and Savior in bodily form were to stand before us and address this congregation, address you and me, I wonder if he would rebuke us for our unbelief. And I want to answer that question for you. If any of us here today are filled with worry and doubt and insecurity and fear, I can promise you, friends, he would rebuke us for our unbelief. We're talking about believing today. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This is so amazing to me. They've just failed the test of believing. Miserably failed. They've just been rebuked. But then he turns around and commissions them and says, all right, now go. And here's what you got to tell them. You got to tell them. They have to do what you didn't do. They have to believe. That's how important it is. They have to believe. And, and, and Jesus said, for those who do believe, they will be saved. And for those who don't believe, they will be condemned. Believing has to be at the heart of everything we teach, preach, sing, and minister. We have to believe. Now let's go to verse 17. This is where it gets really interesting. And these signs will follow those who, what? What's the subject here? Believing. The subject hasn't changed. It's still believing. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will Take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means, say those two words. It won't hurt them at all. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, very quickly, I do need to tell you this. That there are those who tell us that these verses in Mark should not be in the Bible. In fact, if you were to open your Bible to that passage of Scripture, a lot of the modern-day uh, Bibles that they write say this passage was not in the original manuscripts. But I want you to listen to the fact. And I'm, I'm underscoring that word fact. 
This is the fact. There are no original manuscripts. They're all gone. And not only that, and I'm not just pulling this statistic out of the air. This is what those who have studied it say. There are no original manuscripts, but of all the manuscripts we have, those ancient old manuscripts, listen to this. 99% of them have this passage in it. That's pretty strong, isn't it? And if you think about it just for a moment... If an individual or a movement or a denomination chooses not to believe in miracles, if they choose not to believe in the supernatural, if they choose not to believe in the power of God moving among the people of God, then it's pretty convenient to disregard this passage of Scripture and say it's not in the Bible. Now, here's, here's the point I want to make. I think it's the part about demons and serpents and deadly poison and speaking in tongues that makes people real nervous. That scares people. But here's the amazing thing, and this is where the interpretation is important. The amazing thing about this passage of Scripture is it's not even talking about those things. They're just illustrations. It's talking about whether or not you believe. This is about believing. This is about what happens in the lives of people who truly believe. (laughs) This is simply Jesus using illustrations about how powerful believing is in a person's life. What he's doing is he's taking some things that were, that were fearful, things that frightened them in that day, and he, things that were dangerous and deadly. And what Jesus is saying is, if you believe... These things can't hurt you. You're on mission. You're on ministry. You have an assignment. Don't get focused on these things and think for a moment they can stop you or hinder you. They can't. I'm as convinced as I know how to be. Again, that if our blessed Lord and Savior could stand before us in bodily form today, and address his congregation on this subject, I'm convinced he wouldn't even mention those things. I'm convinced he would say something like this. If you believe, listen up, church. If you believe, the Russia-Ukraine war can't hurt you. And it can't stop you. If you believe... Cancer can't hurt you. It's getting real quiet in here. If you really believe World War III cannot get you off track. And if nuclear war breaks out, it can't hurt you. And it can't stop you. 
I'm pretty sure that if Jesus stood here and talked to us about this passage of Scripture, he'd probably pick two or three or four things that we are afraid of that fill us with fear. And he would say, these things shall by no means hurt you. You might be thinking right now, Pastor, what planet are you living on? I'm living on this planet, but I'm believing some things that are coming from another place. That's what I'm believing. Nothing, nothing, nothing by any means shall hurt you. That's what you say. Do do you know the extreme that Jesus goes to on this particular subject? In the Gospels, he actually says this. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Don't worry about that. A person who can kill your body can't hurt you. Now, you really, you really do think I've lost my mind. But that's what Jesus said. They can't hurt you. Somebody was telling me the other day, I can't even remember who it was, but they were telling me about a preacher who was walking down the street and uh, several guys came up and, and with knives or weapons and they said, either give us your money or we're going to kill you. And the preacher said, are you threatening me with heaven? Because you got to do better than that. You can't threaten me with heaven. No. And they said the preacher stood there and told them about the gospel. They came to steal from him, but he gave them freely what he had. The truth, the life, the salvation of Jesus Christ. And they got saved. Yes. Praise the Lord. Listen, church, I am believing that God is going to heal my cancer. I'm believing it. My numbers are down. I'm believing. I went through that prayer tunnel. I'm still hearing so many testimonies about people who went through that prayer tunnel and the power of God touched them. Somebody told me just this morning, I went to the doctor right after I went through that prayer tunnel and everything's good. Numbers were high. Now they're in right. Oh, I believe God's going to heal me of prostate cancer. Remember, I told you that. I'm believing it with all my heart. But here's what I want to tell you, friends. If God doesn't heal me, cancer can't hurt me. It can't hurt me. No. If one day somebody says, did you hear that the pastor lost his battle with cancer? You say, oh, no, he did not. He did not lose his battle with cancer. And I can tell you, if you hear that I've died, I want you to understand that I didn't lose the battle. I was faithful to the end. I served my Lord and I didn't lose the battle. I won the battle. I won it. And if you hear that, 
That just means I got to heaven before you did. (laughs) Goody, goody, goody. (laughs) That's what that means. Just believe. There's nothing in this world. And by the way, until God's ready, if you really believe and you get in step with him, there's nothing in this world that can take you out before God's ready to take you home. And what Jesus is saying in this passage of scripture, if you will just believe, nothing can hurt you. Demons can't hurt you. Poison can't hurt you. Serpents can't hurt you. And I believe that. I'm not going to tempt. I'm not going to pick up a serpent. I'm not going there. But I do believe nothing, nothing can hurt us. And here's the good news. Are you ready for this? Oh, this is the good news. When you believe, not only can these things not hurt you, but you step into a place where you can do great exploits for the kingdom of God. See, it's it's not just getting rid of something. It's getting rid of something and being filled with something else. Not only can these things not hurt you anymore, you're in a position where God can use you for his honor and for his glory. And all kinds of possibilities come into play. At this point, you might one day be speaking a language you've never even learned. That's what it says. You, you might speak with the tongues of angels. You, you might just lay your hands on somebody and not say a word. And they're healed. You see, when you believe, it doesn't just eliminate the negative. It brings in all the positive, good, glorious things of God into your life so that now you can be used of God. Friends, don't don't be distracted by what's going on in the world. Don't be distracted by what's going on in your body. Don't be distracted by what's going on in your family. Don't be distracted by what's going on in your finances. In fact, let's just say it. You're a child of the king. Don't be distracted by anything. Just believe. That's what this passage of scripture is talking about. Just believe. And when you believe. Oh, friends, I'm telling you. There's nothing in this world that can steal your joy. Nothing can steal. I I used to listen to the Gaithers a lot a long time ago. They had a little course. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away from me. He's given us joy. I'll tell you this, friends. That when you choose to believe, and I'm not saying it'll be easy. It wasn't easy for those who had walked with Jesus for three years. But Jesus said, it's the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of everything that we do or attempt. If you can start believing, not only will fear be driven out, but you'll step into a place where you can touch this world around you with the glory of God like never before. It's absolutely amazing what happens. I've got one last thing I want to say. The Christian life does not begin with salvation. 
I'm sorry, but it doesn't. There's multiple scriptures that verify this. It does not begin with salvation. The Christian life begins with believing. Acts 16, 30 and 31, the Philippian jailers said to Paul and the team, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It starts with believing. You believe first. I want to tell you something. If you're sitting here today and you're not sure of eternity, you're not, you're not sure where you will, will spend all of eternity and God's dealing with your heart, quit worrying about salvation and make up your mind. You will believe in the one who came, lived and died on the cross and got up and walked out of that tomb alive. And when you believe, when you believe, you don't have to worry about salvation. If you believe, that's what it says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You believe you will be saved. You can't keep from being saved if you believe. From the beginning to the end of the Christian life, it's all about believing. I don't know what will happen with the Russia-Ukraine war. And you don't either. But God does. I don't even know what's going to happen with me. But God does. I'm excited about where this church is going. But I don't know. But God does. It's our job to just believe. Would you bow with me in prayer? Would you make a simple choice today to believe? Father, I pray that you will stir hearts and help us to believe. Increase our faith so that we can believe. I pray that there are those here today who will believe. Believe and walk out of here knowing that they know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.